This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. That is the great Vin Scully. And uh, so difficult uh, this morning. Uh, an exciting day yesterday. A lot of trades. Um, so, and, and, you know, the Red Sox winning the game. And, and then just after the Red Sox game is over, uh, you get the gutting news that Vince Scully has passed away at the age of 94. And look, uh, you know, uh, it, it's hard to be sad when somebody lives to be 94 years old. But, you know, this is a guy that that was the voice of baseball. He was, uh, you know, uh, generations listen to him 67 years as a Dodger broadcaster one of the greatest things I mean I remember listening to him when I was a kid of course and you know uh, you'd hear him on national broadcast for NBC he and Joe Gargiola and uh, but one of the greatest things for me was when the internet and uh, um, the Major League Baseball package came along, and, and all of a sudden you could listen to out-of-town games, and I could listen to Vin Scully every day if I wanted to, and I did very, very often. I can't tell you the number of nights that I fell asleep here on the East Coast listening to Vin Scully call Dodger games because what he did, he, he was uh, – he was a master at painting pictures. You didn't need a television if you had Vince Scully. Just listen to him describe a game, and it was picture perfect. Um, you know, I'm a guy that has broadcast hundreds of baseball games over my career. High school, college, minor league. Um, never got to the pros, obviously, but, you know, I did some minor league games and some college and high school games. And, and I always, you know, I wanted to be Vince Scully. Nobody could be Vince Scully, um, but I tried to let the game breathe, which is one of the things he was a master at. You know, he could describe something that just happened, and then he would go silent. When he called Sandy Koufax's uh, complete uh, or uh, no-hitter. He went silent for 38 seconds and just let people hear the crowd noise and the pandemonium. You know, that was something he was so, so good at. And all the things that that he saw and all the people, look, he, he started doing Dodger games 
in 19, what, 50-something? And did him until 2016. 1949, actually, is when he started. He was the youngest person to broadcast a World Series game in 1953. He was 25 years old. Think about that. Nobody's even come close to that. You know, and this is a guy that grew up calling Brooklyn Dodger games. He was born in New York City, in the Bronx. And for him to be able to do that, and then when the Dodgers moved west, he went west with them and stayed there and became everybody's favorite uncle, I guess. But everybody loved him. And, you know, in the early days, you know, back when there were transistor radios, right, they'd go to a ball game and they would have their transistor radio listening to Vin Scully call the game while they were at the ballpark. I am so sad. It's... uh, Again, 94 years old, and, and, and he, he went out on his own terms. He went out, you know, and the last game that he called, you wouldn't know that it was his last game with the exception of, you know, there were some interruptions, you know, people coming in to say goodbye and uh, uh, a presentation. I think uh, the Giants came in and gave him some kind of a, a, an award of some kind on his last day. And, uh, you know, and when he signed off, it was just like any other game. Other than he came back on after the after he said goodbye and 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 like read a little poem, and it was like the perfect way to go out, you know. And this is a guy that every every broadcast he would start it out and say, "Hi everybody, and a very pleasant good evening to you wherever you may be," you know. And and then just you know to hear him say, "It's time for Dodger baseball." You didn't have to be a Dodger fan. You just had to be a baseball fan to, to fall in love with with the way he called games. And, you know, that little uh, clip we ran at the beginning of the show was when Kirk Gibson hit that home run in the World Series off of Dennis Eckersley. Came out limping, you know, on, on two legs. It was like a five- or six-minute at bat, too. And just listening to him paint the picture, and it was on television, Joe Gargiola is there, and uh, doing doing uh, the the color for him and uh, but you know think about it this is a guy that called three perfect games Don Larson's in the World Series and and Sandy Koufax is who I just talked about and you know let you know going silent for thirty eight seconds uh, Dennis Martinez threw one he called eighteen no hitters he called Hank Aaron hitting home run number seven fifteen to break Babe Ruth's record one of the greatest lines. Ever, a black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. What a marvelous moment for baseball. There, Nothing more perfect could have ever been said at that moment. And I know that he stepped away from broadcasting games six years ago. I listened to his last game. I probably listened to him do hundreds of games. Got to meet him once when I was working for Major League Baseball, and he was at Fenway Park. And I wish that I had had the guts. And and he was so gracious. I just said, you know, and I just went in and I said, Mr. Scully, you know, you, 
I've listened to you since the time I was a kid, and 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 I, you know, and I explained it where, where I worked. I worked at you know a college, and I said I broadcast for our games, and I said I wish when I called my games I could be as poetic as you, but I try my best. And he was flattered, and he was very nice. I mean, you know, a lot of th- he could just give you a little brush off and say, ah, you great, nice, you know, v- so gracious. And I wish I had had the guts at the time to say, hey, can I take a picture with you? I wish I had done that. But I just wanted to meet him, you know, and, and I was just so glad to have been able to meet the man. Uh, and, and one last story before uh, we, we move on to uh, all the stuff that happened yesterday. Uh, Don Orsillo, I was after I, the news came down and, and the Red Sox game was over, I had turned on the Padre game because now my favorite thing to do is my, my friend Don Orsillo, who uh, I've known from the time that uh, he was uh, uh, in, his, in his early 20s working as a minor league broadcaster uh, and PR guy, uh, for the uh, Springfield Falcons or Springfield Indians at the time, a hockey team. And he and I used to do games on television together um, on the local cable. And uh, then I then he got doing uh, the Pittsfield Mets and the Binghamton Mets. And uh, when I was working, doing some stuff for a minor league team here in Connecticut, the Norwich Navigators, he would come in with the Binghamton Mets. And we struck up a great friendship. And then, of course, I ended up working at Major League Baseball for a while in addition to my college job. And uh, he was the Red Sox broadcaster at the time. So we got a chance to, to see each other all the time. It was great. Well, last night he told a great story in the air right after they announced that Vin Scully had passed away. And he said that the reason that he is in San Diego right now is because of Vin Scully. When he was let go by the Red Sox, he had been with that organization for 15 years. He didn't know what to do. He said, I was at a crossroads. And San Diego had reached out to him, but he wasn't sure he wanted to move across the country and you know, so he wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And Vince Gully said to him, Don, you have to go to San Diego. You'll love it there. The people will love you there. You got to go. And so he did. And he said, you know, and, and he met Vince Gully the first time. He said, I was a 19-year-old intern. You know, and, and he had, a, you know, kind of a, an experience just like me. You know, like, and, uh, you know, and he... Very gracious and, and, you know, asking him, hey, what do you want to do? And Don said, I want to do what you do. And he said that, you know, Vin was always there and tried to help him out as much as he could during his entire career. And to have him say to Don, hey, you got to go to San Diego. And so that's why that's why he's there. Just, you know, just uh, God. Yeah, I'm just gutted. But uh I am grateful that I got to listen to him for so long, and uh, he will be missed. What a what a tough week. We lose Bill Russell this week. Uh, we lose a pioneer in uh, Michelle Nichols, and now we lose uh, Vince Scully. Tough, tough week. Uh, but uh, uh, Vince Scully, who is just not just a great broadcaster, a great human, a great gentleman, uh, and to say he's going to be missed is uh, – uh, an understatement. Last night, the Dodgers played the the uh, Giants, the place where Vince Scully called his last game was in San Francisco, and the uh, Dodgers were there last night, and the Dodgers beat the hell out of the Giants last night. But despite that, after the game, they had announced Vince passing just before the game. So, uh, which is obviously a difficult thing for somebody who's been such an icon. But after the game, even though the Dodgers beat the crap out of the Giants, the Giants, in a classy move, had a uh, a video uh, a presentation on their screen 
when the game was over, uh, saluting Vin Scully and some of his calls. And uh, the Dodgers paused their postgame celebration. A lot of the fans stayed around to, to watch that. I, what a classy move by the, the uh, San Francisco Giants. And uh, what a classy man in Vin Scully. And, and I'm just, uh, God, you know, and, and it's funny. He hasn't broadcast games in six years. But just knowing he was still in the universe made you feel better. At least it did me, you know. You know but then again, I'm a baseball geek. Uh, so... Uh, anyway, that's uh, I just I just needed to start the show because it was just so difficult. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it just took all the the wind out of my sails at eleven o'clock last night. So anyway, uh, rest in peace, uh, Vin. And uh, if there's baseball in heaven, uh, it, he will be the voice of baseball uh, in the clouds. All right, let's. Uh, Let's get to uh, to uh, the uh, baseball from yesterday, um, and uh, let's start with the the trade, the blockbuster trade. There's no other word for it. With Juan Soto going from the Washington Nationals to the San Diego Padres. Look, if there is a team that is going for it, it's the Padres. You know, there's been a lot of moves made, but the Padres have made the most noise by getting Juan Soto, making that trade. Uh, to get Josh Hader, uh, then they go out and they they get the Brandon Drury from the Cincinnati Reds yesterday. Um, look, you know, you throw him in that lineup, and Fernando Tatis Jr. is on his way back. He's taking live batting practice. He will be back in the, in a couple three weeks, and you have him in that lineup with with, with that core of Machado and Tatis and Juan Soto and Jake Cronenworth. Oh and oh and by the way, they got Josh Bell to play first base during that, and they've got Will Myers. I mean, this team is loaded, loaded. Now they had to give up a lot. There's no doubt about that. Uh, they had to give up uh, their rookie pitcher Mackenzie Gore, who's hurt right now, but uh, has been one of the top pitching prospects in in baseball for a, a few years now. Uh, they get back uh, Luke Voigt as well as uh, other prospects, James Woods, C.J. Abrams, who's very, very good, uh, Robert Hassel, and Jarlin Susanna. Uh, so that's a lot of players. And originally, by the way, Washington was supposed to get Eric Cosmer. Well, Eric Cosmer has a no-trade contract or you know a limited no-trade clause in his contract. And uh, he said uh, that he would not go to Washington. And so Luke Voigt, ended up being part of that deal. Um, so who, how pissed do you think Luke Voigt is? <laughs> uh, you know, you're playing. Now, now look, he, Luke Voigt had not been playing very well in San Diego. He had, he had struggled. Um, but still, you know, you're in San Diego. You know, and now because Eric Cosmer doesn't want to go to Washington, you got to go. So they may they may not be exchanging Christmas cards. <laughs> um, but look, and, and here's the other part of this, and, and I mentioned this yesterday. You know, there's a lot of talk in Major League Baseball about big market teams versus small market teams. San Diego is not a big market. I know it's in Southern California. But the TV market is not that big there. Their um, revenue from their local uh, 
cable or you know a broadcast package is one of the smallest in baseball. It's not very big. You know, this is not they don't rake in the kind of money that they do anywhere else like in New York or Boston or Chicago, St. Louis. I mean, you know, they've Washington, they've all got much bigger broadcast packages, local uh, packages than the Padres do. And yet the Padres started this year just a couple hundred thousand dollars under the luxury tax threshold, and now they're going to be well over it, and they don't care. So don't tell me there isn't money to be made, and don't tell me you, you can't compete if you're in Pittsburgh or if you're in Oakland, because that's a, that's a bunch of bullshit. Pardon my language. If the San Diego Padres can do it, the Pirates can do it, the A's can do it. Look, as, as we've... As, as we've talked about, because of the revenue sharing in Major League Baseball uh, with, uh, with with not just local media, but, you know, the national broadcast package, the other revenue sharing that goes on, teams usually have 60 to $70 million in the bank before they have sold a ticket. 60 or $70 million before you've sold a ticket, yet we have teams in Major League Baseball that have team payrolls less than that. And that tells me that the owners are out there just trying to make as much money. They're not in it for the fans. They're not in it for baseball. They are in this strictly for the money. And and look, I don't have that kind of money. You know, people, you know I, I get that, all right? It's not my money. But to me, if you're going to own a sports franchise, Whatever sport, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, whatever. You can't be in it strictly for the money. You don't want to lose money, and you do want to make some money. But you can't be in it just for the money. That's not what sports is. And you are beholden to all those people that buy your tickets, that buy your merchandise, that buy the concessions, you know, the food and everything else at your at your events, you owe something to them. You owe them putting the best product on the field. If the San Diego Padres can go out and make a move to bring in Juan Soto and to bring in guys like Manny Machado and and to pay uh, or you know, make moves to get Blake Snell and uh, Mike Clevenger, and all these guys that they have brought in to make a trade to bring in Sean Manaya. Look, they, they, they've did a, they, look, they've done a great job in their minor league system, obviously. You know, they've gutted that a little bit here uh, in the last couple of days, you know, but, but, you know, done a great job with scouting, being able to draft a guy like Tatis. And look, they have put themselves in a great position, but they are a quote-unquote small market team. I'm tired. I don't want to hear that anymore. If the Padres in in San Diego that don't get the television revenue that other teams do can do this, so can Pittsburgh, so can Oakland, so can Tampa, so can uh, Baltimore, so can uh, you know, you name it. There is money there, and the Padres have proved that. Now, can. If you are A.J. Preller, the general manager of San Diego, and you've made all these moves and you've dropped a lot of coin, the pressure's on. Look, they're not catching the Dodgers. We already know that. It would take a monumental collapse by the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are too good to do that. 
You know, San Diego trails the Dodgers by 11 and a half games. Now, San Diego's 14 games over 500, but they trail the Dodgers by 11 and a half games. So they're not catching them. The key for them, what they have to do, is they have to be the number one wild card. That is job number one. Because if you do that, it also means you will get home games in the first round of the playoffs. The third, the second and third wild cards do not get home games. They are on the road for a three-game series. So you would have to win two out of three in your opposing team's ballpark to move to the next round of the playoffs. Right now, the Padres are three and a half games behind the Atlanta Braves. The Padres want to be the number one wild card. Get some games in San Diego. Give yourself a chance to move on in the playoffs, and then you roll the dice. So they're... They've got to they've got to make up four games on Atlanta. Can they do that? Yes. Now Atlanta's been very busy too. They're, they they've been probably just as busy, if not more busy, than San Diego. But San Diego landed the prize in Juan Soto. But if you get that, uh, if you get them home games in that first round and they move on with the moves that they have made, they're a dangerous team. Nobody's going to want to play them. So it's been, I mean, again, and, and there's so many moves from yesterday, and we don't have time to get into them all. But, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the Phillies going out and getting Noah Syndergaard from the Angels, the Twins made a whole bunch of moves. They got Tyler Molly. They got Jorge Lopez, the closer from the, uh, uh, the Baltimore Orioles, who's been so, so good. They got Michael Fulmer, a uh, reliever from the Detroit Tigers, who has been very, very good. You know, they've made some moves, you know, and uh, the Phillies got David Robertson from the Cubs. The Cardinals getting Jordan Montgomery from the Yankees. Now, they had to give back Harrison Bader. The The Blue Jays made a ton of moves. Some of them I don't understand. I mean, they went out and got Whit Merrifield. I'm not sure why they did that. They have Espinal who's been playing great at second base. You know, I'm not so I'm not sure. And, by the way, Whit Merrifield's not vaccinated, so and he's, in Toronto, he's now playing for Toronto, so – there had to have been a conversation about, hey, are you going to get vaccinated? Because if you're not, we can't make this trade because he wouldn't be available to Toronto for home games. Um, but so many of these contending teams all made significant moves. It is going to be a fun last 58-59 games in Major League Baseball to, just to see how this all shakes out. I mean, I... You know, this is one, I mean, as a Red Sox fan, obviously I watch those games first, but I'm going to have to be jumping around everywhere because there are so many storylines. You know, the only teams really, when you look at, at, at the contending teams, the only teams that really kind of didn't do much, uh, you know, Milwaukee traded their closer. You know, they got back a couple of small pieces. So Milwaukee kind of stood pat, which kind of surprised me. But the Cardinals went out and added a couple of big pieces to their rotation. Uh, I think Milwaukee could be in trouble. I think the Cardinals may have made enough moves to get themselves in a position to win that division. But they were very quiet. Uh, the Red Sox, who are technically uh, contenders, I still can't figure out what they're doing. The White Sox were very quiet. But Toronto... Seattle, Tampa. Tampa was 
kind of quiet, but they, Tampa also knows they've got a couple of huge pieces coming back at the end of this month when Wander Franco is healthy again and Harold Ramirez is healthy again. Uh, they're going to be just fine. But Toronto, Minnesota, Houston, the Yankees, they all added tons of players. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch. You know, the Red Sox big move was trading Christian, Christian Vasquez and then getting Eric Hosmer from the San Diego Padres. And in my first reaction when they got Hosmer, I kind of went, huh, why? But when you look at it, look, Hosmer is a gold glove first baseman. They have had more problems at first base, not just defensively, Although Bobby Dahlbeck is getting better and better at first base, but he's not hitting a lick, and that's the problem. What's been killing him is they've gotten absolutely zero production out of first base. And Eric Cosmer, and I and I really don't understand this, but he's been kind of a I don't I, they called him like a distraction or something. I don't understand this. He's never been a bad teammate. Um but I think, I think he was more of a distraction of the amount of money they signed him for, and I guess they were expecting a little more out of him offensively. But he was still hitting 272 this year. Nine homers, 40 runs batted in. He's got an OPS of 727. When you look at what the Red Sox first baseman are doing, this is a huge upgrade, not just defensively, but offensively. So they're going to be better there. They got Tommy Pham for a, you know a player to be named later or cash. Tommy Pham, right off the bat last night in the game, made a, made a difference. You know, had a single. He f- scores on a double down the line by Rafi Devers, and he's picking them up and putting them down. He can run. You know, now, you know, everybody thinks about, you know, Tommy Pham with the whole slapping Jock Peterson thing, and which is just kind of all ridiculous. But Tommy Pham's been a guy I've always liked. Professional baseball player. Guy that can hit, guy that can run. Doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but he he's a decent defensive outfielder. He can go get the ball. So, you know, I mean, in, so from that standpoint, the Red Sox are going to be better. It means Jackie Bradley Jr. becomes a defensive replacement, which is what he was last night. And that's what he becomes because now it's going to be Duran in center or Kike Hernandez when he comes back. Famine left. And Verdugo and right. And JBJ becomes a guy that's the fourth outfielder. He he plays when somebody needs a day off or when they need defense at, you know, late in the game, you bring him in. So they've made themselves better. Now they're they weaken themselves at catcher a ton. You know, Kevin Ploecki and Reese McGuire are your catchers. You know, that there's no question that they're weaker there. Um I don't think they're – look, uh, their rotation stayed the same. They didn't trade anybody. Uh, I don't think that their bullpen is going to be any worse. Uh, I know they traded Diekman, but he's been, eh, you know. He's had some good outings. He's had some putrid outings. He walks too many guys for my my liking. Matt Strom's going to be coming back off the, off the injured list. Rich Hill, Michael Walker coming back. Um, Cutter Crawford has been – he was great last night. I mean, Cutter Crawford has been – it's ridiculous what he's done. The Red Sox beat Houston last night 2-1. to one. They've beat Houston four out of five games this year. Go figure. But Cutter Crawford, since the start of July, 
has made six starts. They've all been against teams with winning records. He's faced Tampa twice, the Yankees, Toronto, Cleveland, and Houston. In those six starts, he has a 2.38 ERA, a whip of 0.94. Opponents are hitting 218 off of him. He struck out 32. He's walked just five in 34 innings. Jeez, sign me up. Seriously, I mean, you can't ask for any more. Now, they're going to start Brian Bayo today. You know, I mean, they need to get – I mean, they've had so many rookie starters starting games this year. They need to stop that. But, look, Cutter Crawford looks like the real deal. I have a hard time saying you got to take him out of the rotation. He's been great. And he's pitched into the sixth inning in all six of those games, by the way, in the month of July. He's either pitched six full or, you know, gone into the sixth inning in all six starts. And those other two guys are coming back. You know, we might see Paxton in September. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see Chris Sale again this year. But you know what? Look, if you bring back Hill and Waka and you've got Cutter Crawford and you've got Pavetta and you've got Evaldi, uh, you know, they'll be okay. I worry about the bullpen a little bit. But Tanner Houck, his last couple of outings, he was he came in yesterday in a big jam. When Austin Davis got in trouble, got him out of it. Schreiber has been otherworldly. Garrett Whitlock is as solid as they come. You know, those three guys you feel pretty good about. I worry about the rest of it. You know, uh, Sawamura was okay last night. He's been Sawamura's been great on the road, by the way, but at, at Fenway Park, ugh, bah. So, uh, you know, the Red Sox, I'm still not sure exactly what it is they're doing. They're straddling a the line. They, like, made some moves. They did get some prospects back, but they gave up Jay Groom to get Hosmer. But they got two other prospects back plus a bunch of cash. So, you know, it, it was kind of a it – was, it's was very strange what they're doing. Now, if they end up making the playoffs, then Heimblum did the right thing. You know, but uh, J.D. Martinez stayed put. Evaldi stayed put. So we'll see. You know, the one thing, and, and, and I was reading the Boston Globe this morning, and, and Xander Bogarts and Christian Vasquez were great friends. They, have you know, came up together. You know, in the, they played in the minors together. And Xander Bogarts is pissed. And he was asked flat out if it will affect his thinking on wanting to stay with Boston going forward. And Xander Bogarts did the right thing, and he said, you know, that's a very interesting question. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to answer that right now. I, I, I don't want to say anything I might regret later. So I'm just going to be quiet, and uh, we'll talk about it later. I thought that was a very thoughtful and interesting response. By the way, the other thing that's interesting this uh, with the Red Sox when they got Eric Cosmer, Eric Cosmer is still owed $44 million. Guess what? The Padres are paying that. All the Red Sox are going to be responsible for is the major league minimum. And he is signed through 2025. So the Red Sox can have a gold glove first baseman in Eric Hosmer through 2025. You know who Eric Hosmer is? Eric Hosmer is Mitch Moreland. That's who he is. Great defense, can hit, can hit. You know, Hosmer's a guy that, you know, can hit, you know, 20 home runs a season. He, he's done it 
you know, several times in his career in, in Fenway Park. Uh, you know, it may work out very well for him. But the Red Sox only have to come up with 246 k this year and then like 720 or, you know, 700,000-plus in the next three years. So they basically got Eric Hosmer for, and, and, and two prospects for one prospect and, and no money. It was a no-brainer. No-brainer. So, again, if the Padres can afford to eat that salary as well, don't tell me, don't tell me that being a small market team hampers you because there is money there. If the Padres can do it, so can everybody else. 38 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 41 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. I know I didn't int- <laughs> I know I didn't welcome you like I normally do this morning. I just, uh, the whole Vince Gully thing just uh, uh, kind of had me off this morning. But uh, welcome back uh, to The Wake Up Call. Um, lots more to get to. The Yankees uh, lose yesterday to the Seattle Mariners. Look, this is a win that the Mariners needed last night. They got thumped in game one of that series. They're trying to hang on to a wild card spot. They've been taking on water. Logan Gilbert got the start for Seattle last night, and he wasn't very good. The good news for Logan Gilbert was Jamison Dion was just as bad for the New York Yankees. So it became a bullpen game, and the Seattle bullpen uh, with three and two-thirds shutout innings. Uh, the difference in this one, uh, the, uh, the Mariners got to them late. Uh, Sam Haggerty, a pinch hitter, a go-ahead home run in the seventh inning. And then Andres Munoz escapes a bases loaded jam in the ninth inning, and Seattle hangs on for the victory. They beat the Yankees 8-6. to six. So Seattle now still sits in the number two wild card. They are just a game ahead of Tampa, three games behind Toronto. Uh, but the uh, it is very, very bunched up. Uh, Luis Castillo, who came over in a trade deadline deal to Seattle, will get the start for the Mariners tonight. He is 4-4, four 2-8-6, four, all those starts, of course, with the Cincinnati Reds. And he is going to take on the ace of the Yankees, Garrett Cole, who is 9-3 uh, with a 3-3-0 ERA. Now, Castillo actually pitched for the Reds in Yankee Stadium um, just a couple of weeks ago. I think it was middle of July. And uh, he... He shut uh, the Yankees down for the first five innings. I think he had a no-hit bid going into the sixth inning. Um, so uh, that was a win that they desperately needed last night. Look, you know, I mentioned the Red Sox win last night. Uh, with the Red Sox winning, Cleveland losing, Tampa losing, the Sox are now just two games out of a wild card. They're tied with Chicago. They are a half a game behind Baltimore, one game behind Cleveland, and then two games behind Tampa for the number three wild card. Three games for the number two wild card and only six games for the number one wild card. That's why the Red Sox were so I, – I guess that's why Bloom was straddling the fence. I think he had to. You know, as I said, you have a responsibility to the fans. Now, Bloom's not the owner. He's the general manager. But they have a responsibility. And when you are in playoff position – so close when you were only three games out at the trade deadline you can't sell everybody and say to your fans well screw you although by the way that's what the Baltimore Orioles did you know this is and this was strange the Orioles just a couple of games out of the wild card um you know at the at the trade deadline and you get rid of your closer 
and you trade away a fan favorite in Trey Mancini, a guy who was having a solid season, and yet you're just a few games out of the wild card, and your fans got to be going, what the hell? Now, now Baltimore goes out and wins last night, thank to Jorge Mateo with a couple of home runs. They beat the Rangers 8-2 to last night. So they're only a game and a half back now, uh, but I don't know if that's sustainable without your closer who's been so sharp this year. So, you know, it's just odd what they've done. But, again, they win last night by beating Texas, So uh, and, and everybody else got helped out. The Red Sox got helped out because the Blue Jays beat the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays continue to take on water. They've lost two in a row. They are 3-8 and eight since the All-Star break. Three and eight, and they're only averaging three runs a game in the last eleven. Now, and the Blue Jays, on the other hand, they've won eleven of the last thirteen, so they have, you know, they're thirteen games over five hundred. They put themselves in very good position. They're 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 going to make playoffs, especially with all the moves uh, that they made. You know, getting Whit Merrifield. Um, uh, they made some other moves yesterday, and and you just wonder, you know. Uh, it's almost like they're stockpiling players because I still, I, I'm still telling you, I don't understand getting Whit Merrifield. They don't really have a place for him. You know, the only thing I can think of is George Springer's hurt. He's missed, he missed another game yesterday. I think it's, he's missed like three of the last four games. They're not really sure what's going on with him. So maybe they're thinking that Merrifield uh, plays the outfield and Springer becomes a designated hitter when he comes back to kind of uh, take some of the load off of his body. I mean, it's the only thing I can think of, you know. But Toronto again, very active. They got uh, they got Anthony Bass and Zach Pop from the Mariners yesterday. That helps out their bullpen a lot, you know. And uh, you know they they give up uh, you know a minor leaguer to do it. They got Mitch White, who you know was kind of the odd man out in in Los Angeles with the Dodgers, with uh, all their guys getting healthy. Mitch White all of a sudden didn't have a place in the rotation anymore. He put up great numbers. He was kind of their sixth starter, as you were, long reliever. And they, you know, they gave up like their number 19 prospect in the rota- in their uh, system to do it. So Toronto is going to make the playoffs. And, of course, the Red Sox and Cleveland and everybody else is, is hoping that they uh, that they can do them a solid and, and beat the Rays again today. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi is going to get the start. He started three games against Tampa. Uh, he's 3-0 and with a 1.42, so he's done well against them. Uh, Jalen Beeks is going to be an opener for Tampa today. Uh, Ryan Yarborough is going to follow that, doing some bulk innings after that uh, as uh, the Rays try to – all the Rays are trying to do right now, they're trying to hang on for dear life. Because they know when Franco comes back, Harold Ramirez comes back, Manuel Margot, uh, who's got a um, a knee strain, he could be back this month. They get those three guys back. That's like making trades at the deadline. So that's kind of I think what they're just they're praying to God they can hold on long enough and they're still in the hunt uh, by the time those guys come back. We'll have to see. Um, the White Sox win. So they stay uh, tied with the Red Sox. White Sox back over 552 and 51. They beat the Royals yesterday 9 to 2. Uh Eli Jimenez with three hits and four runs batted in. Jose Abreu with a home run. Um you know, the, the Royals are just a mess. Uh the White Sox will send Lance Lynn to the mound today. Lynn who has just not been right since coming back from uh, that knee injury is 1 and 4 with a 6.42 ERA. He is going to take on Brady Singer 
as the White Sox tried to keep themselves in the hunt. The Guardians lose yesterday to the Arizona Diamondbacks. That didn't help their cause. Um, they're kind of stumbling a little bit. Tristan McKenzie got roughed up. He gave up three runs in the first, a three-run shot uh, to Christian Walker, and uh, that kind of set the tone, and the game was pretty much over by then. And also the Guardians sent out Franmil Reyes yesterday. He got uh, demoted. Franmil Reyes had 30 home runs last year, folks, and 85 runs batted in. Uh, this year he's hitting 213, and he has struck out, get this, 104 times in 263 at-bats. Yeesh. Well, the Diamondbacks are calling up a guy from AAA to make a start today. You would think advantage Cleveland today because Shane Bieber is going to make his 100th career start today uh, for the Guardians. He is 5-6 and six with a 3-4-1 ERA. It is 48 minutes past the hour. We've got to take one more break. We'll take a, uh, a minute right now. We'll be back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 51 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. Just a couple of minutes to go this morning. Uh, the Minnesota Twins, who also were very active the last couple of days, trying to keep themselves uh, in first place in the NL Central, uh, lose. The Detroit Tigers, who have been sellers, they got rid of Castellanos, uh, or I mean Robbie Grossman, and they got rid of uh, Michael Fulmer. Uh, despite the fact uh, they were sellers, they beat the Minnesota Twins yesterday 5-3. to three. Riley Green with a couple of hits, a couple of runs batted in. And uh, uh, the Twins have lost six of the last ten, but they hang on to that one-game lead in the AL Central thanks to the Guardians' Uh, losing. Griffin Jacks really struggled uh, out of the bullpen. He retired just one batter, allowing three runs on three hits in the seventh inning uh, for Minnesota. So that was the difference in this one. Uh, Joe Ryan will get the start for the Twins. He's been very good. Uh, the second-year starter, 7-4 with a 3.78 ERA. Uh, Tyler Alexander will get the start for the Tigers in the series finale of that one today. Uh, it's good to see that some things are still the same in Major League Baseball. And that is the New York Mets. And why do I say that? Well, Jacob deGrom made his season debut yesterday. And Jacob deGrom was spectacular. <laughs> uh, you know, look, they're going to be careful with him. They're not going to let him go out there and throw eight innings. They've got to stretch him out. Uh, for five innings, Jacob deGrom was great. He only gave up one run on three hits. He struck out six, didn't walk anybody, threw 59 pitches in five innings, 46 of them for strikes. He was great. So he leaves the game, and the Mets are winning, or excuse me, the Mets are losing uh, one to nothing. So, you know, he's done really, really well, right? Mets tie it up in the top of the sixth. They decide that that's it for DeGrom because, you know, he's he hasn't pitched in a year. So they go to the pen, and they bring in Steven Nogasek, who proceeds to give up a couple of bombs in the sixth inning. Washington takes the lead. Washington, who has just traded away Juan Soto, right? Uh, you know, you figure they've got to be as deflated as deflated it can be. And Nogasek comes in, and he gives up home runs, and the game is over. Washington beats the Mets 5-1. to one. So, as usual, Jacob deGrom pitches his ass off. <laughs> and the Mets can't win the game. That's why he won the Cy Young one year. I think he had a. I think he had a losing record because the Mets. Every time he he pitches, the Mets can't score. It's brutal. Uh, they'll play again today. Chris Bassett will get the start for the Mets. Uh, Annabelle Sanchez, who's got an ERA of seven and a half, is going to start for Washington. <laughs> you can bet 
uh, that they're going to end up uh, winning that one. Uh, by the way, the Mets did make a couple of moves. Um, the most significant one uh, was getting first baseman Darren Ruff uh, from the San Francisco Giants. Uh, there is a decent chance that he will play today. He's one of those guys that uh, with the Mets, I think if he's not playing first base, which he probably won't, but it may be him and Pete Alonso kind of splitting time between first base and designated hitter. That was a really, really good pickup uh, for the New York Mets. I think uh, I think that really helps solidify that team. That's going to do it for us this morning. Um, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Caller. By the way, the Red Sox play this afternoon against Houston, so I'll be uh, I'll be holding. Please don't call me this afternoon. I'll be busy uh, watching that. See if the Red Sox can sweep that series. Uh, by the way, the Red Sox just won by beating Houston. They guarantee their first series win since the end of June. It's just been it's been brutal. But again, still two games out of the wild card. Hey, it's Tony Bennett's ninety sixth birthday today. We just lost Vince Scully at 94. We lost uh, uh, we lost Bill Russell this week at 88. Michelle Nichols at 89. But uh, Tony Bennett, although he's uh, battling Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's disease now, uh, is still with us. Uh, he retired from singing at, uh, at the end of last year because of the uh, beginnings of uh, Alzheimer's disease. But I guess he's still painting and uh, still uh, doing pretty well uh, health-wise. But 96 years old, God love him. So we're going to leave you a little Tony Bennett music today. This is called Stepping Out. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.